Manchester United have a new shirt sponsor for next season. Finally, we'll be talking about the record-breaking £60 million shirt sponsor deal Manchester United have signed with Qualcomm Snapdragon. That is going to make a huge difference to Manchester United as a commercial entity. It's a major sports story because the famous red jersey is a prime piece of sporting real estate and isn't available to a new brand very often. Cantona, Beckham, Ronaldo. United star players have long been hugely popular billboards for a select group of brand names, including Sharp, Vodafone, Chevrolet, and since 2021, German tech company TeamViewer. And from next season, it's the turn of Snapdragon, the American company whose computer chips power our phones, computers, gaming devices, and cars. Have you ever heard of Snapdragon? No. A Snapdragon? Sorry, I don't know. <laughs> The popularity of the Premier League ensures the logo's adorning Man U shirts are seen by billions of people across the world, including the tens of millions of replica shirts worn by the club's famously large and diverse fan base living everywhere from New York to New Delhi. Uh, 2018, it was two degrees in Manchester, Bournemouth at home. And I drove three hours to watch it. I have not seen anything colder than that anything windier than that. <laughs> but that didn't stop me from getting up to Manchester and watch the game. This means the value of the United shirt is a bellwether of the sports economy, a marker against which every other club is judged. Which is why the announcement this week is both significant and surprising. Particularly as it came about following a request from TeamViewer to cut short its United deal after just one season. The value of the German company's shares plummeting immediately after it signed the deal. Ladies and gentlemen, Manchester United have come to an agreement with TeamViewer to end their contract early. I asked a couple of Manchester United fans what they thought. They're mostly saying good riddance. What do you guys think, Manchester United fans? Would you like Apple to be your next shirt sponsor? Let me know. So what's happened? What do you buy when you buy the United shirt? What does it tell us about the future relationship between football and its commercial partners? This is the Sports News Upload with me, Richard Gillis. And me, Matt Cutler. So, without Googling it, how many Villa shirt sponsors can you name? In history, I reckon I could reel off 10. But one of the interesting things about that question is that I could probably tell you more of the ones 25 years ago than the ones in the last 10 years, mainly because there's kind of two or three betting brands who I... I, That's a sign of ageing. I I used to be able to name every FA Cup winner, and now I go blank in the sort of noughties. I I just uh, don't know... Well, if I can go back to my child, it used to be a thing I could do and now I can't do it. But I can remember the first one that I had, which would have been early 90s. I had Mitre Copiers, which... <laughs> do, do you remember Mitre Copiers? Do you remember that Villa yeah. shirt? Yeah. As opposed to Mitre Boots. As opposed to, Yeah, as opposed to... My, I mean, I, there must be a different company. But yeah, Mitre Copiers, which I'm guessing was a photocopying. I bet it was local to... I bet it was a Midlands-based photocopying business <laughs> yeah well that's that's a good point because there were examples of like in the 90s there were a lot of local companies so obviously rover factories in, is in longbridge in the midlands so we had rover and ldv vans as well which maybe was related to that i don't know i'm guessing might have been related to rover seems slightly random if it's not related to kind of a local car company in the midlands i had a, one of my most embarrassing public moments involved ldv vans and it was on, I was still at, I was at Sport Business and Radio 5. I had to go on Radio 5 to talk about the LDV Van Cup, was it? Or they had a yeah. league, was it a league cup or an even lower than that? 
Peter Allen. It was like drive time, Peter Allen. And uh, he was asking this question and I was like talking. And then he said, news just coming in, the, the, the Queen Mother has died. And I was like, and he, and he started asking a question. And I said, well, to be fair, she's 101 and, you know, it's not a massive surprise, but, you know, it's sad for the, the nation. And, and then I got a producer's thing in my ear saying, no, we're not listening to you. We've gone somewhere else now. He's talking to someone else. I thought, I thought Peter Allen was talking to me live on radio about the Queen Mother dying. And actually, he, he just mentioned it. And then it cut me off, obviously, about my boring anecdote about LDV vans. So Spurs, Holston. Was yeah, a, Holston I Pills. think it was the first one. And I, can, I really remember the shirts. But I guess the point is, fans take shirts very seriously. And they're, very, they're part of the sort of landscape. I guess they're just sort of, they're important to, to fans because they, you know, you're wearing them, I suppose, and they're with you the whole time. So I think culturally they're really interesting sort of artefacts and mm. deals and unpicking deals. I think it always interests fans in terms of, you know, well, who is it that's on the shirt? The United shirt, again, without looking it up, the Sharp was synonymous with the Premier League winning Ferguson years. It's odd, and we, you said earlier that there have been relatively few, and these things don't come up very often. We should get into a bit more detail about what's actually happened with yeah. Team Viewer and the new one. Yeah, for sure. So, t- so Team Viewer took up the Manchester United front of shirt um, during COVID, signed up on a long term deal. Back then, it was a sign of, I guess, you know, COVID impacting lots of different industries, in- including sport. But it was a almost a sign that sport is one of the things in life that continues going on regardless of all the challenges around in, in society but not too long after the the deal was signed then team viewer started to get into well share prices plummeting which are not necessarily down to the deal you know team viewer their business is about remote control software which obviously there's a massive need for doing in covid and as everyone was coming out there's you know it's not the thing on everyone's to-do list or buying list so they handed the rights back and I still remain a Manchester United sponsor, just at a lower tier. And it opened up the front of shirt again. And, and Manchester United have obviously been through a process and found Snapdragon, who again were, were actually an existing sponsor of Manchester United, but have upgraded to the to the front of shirt and yeah, become one of a few, an exclusive number of companies who have adorned the Manchester United shirt in the in the in the history. What do we know about Snapdragon? It's it's a, it's not a name that I know, but Qualcomm is a bit more familiar. Yeah, Qualcomm is their parent company. Snapdragon make computer chips as far as I as, as far as I understand it. Computer chips in everything really in, you know, in phones, laptops, Xboxes, which is interesting really because it's a company here which you you'd think they're not consumer facing in that they're not trying to flog a certain product. Neither, neither was Team Viewers work actually was on a, you know, selling big deals to businesses. We had Kevin Smith on our women's brainstorm live event at the uh, Zone, and he was he was really interesting when we were talking about why a team viewer on the shirt. Who is the audience for Team Viewer? Who's buying it? IT decision makers, B two B IT decision makers, enterprise SMB primary audience. And I'm going to try and get I'm trying to get to the Man United shirt from that group of people. Um, I think what is important to understand is that as a company, we're, we were only founded in 2005. 
It's a relatively young company. I think part of our strategy as we look to expand globally was to cement ourselves as a global brand. And certainly that's the role, how we've initially looked to leverage both our partnerships with United as well as with Mercedes F1. So his point being, it's a very narrow target client list, you know, really. And so it is an odd one in terms of the price of the shirt. And we should mention this and the, the the one quoted and with the with the caveat that the numbers are always wrong on these occasions. But the one that's banded around in the early sort of coverage has been 60 million quid a year for the shirt. Now, that's obviously a lot of money and tied up in that number is its media value by comparison to other marketing and the cost of other marketing, i.e. advertising that you would have to spend to get the same sort of reach. Now, given that that's where the value of the shirt is, it's peculiar, really, in a way that a business focused or a B2B business will want to spend that amount of money on it. That's, that's a bit that I don't quite understand. I remember we had Tim Crow talking about this. When your single most important objective is to get your brand name into as many people's brains as possible, then a front of shirt football sponsorship of one of the big clubs is hard to beat. The other thing that they're buying is stature. To be seen as a brand who gets into this game, that playing field and that context, not just Premier League shirt sponsors, but big sports sponsors, big soccer sponsors. That means you've got something, there's a calling card, that's something to be reckoned with. They've obviously bought themselves an activation platform because we're not just talking about a global ad campaign, we're talking about a weekly global ad campaign and there are all kinds of things that you can do around that. So they bought themselves that as well. So in terms of why they're doing it, awareness, which is obviously a valuable commodity, and it's, it differs, its impact differs depending on the type of organisation that you're talking about. So something like TeamViewer or something like Snapdragon, which has very probably very low awareness scores and wants to go very quickly to being a household name, it's quite difficult to do that. And so when you look at something like Cinch that I'd never heard of three years ago and now you can't avoid, that's a brand that I think you could argue is, has been built with sports sponsorship, you know, by, by paying sports sponsorship fees all over the place. The impact of that is a, diff, is a separate question, but it's undeniable that the power of the Premier League, the power of a club like Man United to go take a brand from nowhere to somewhere very quickly is undeniable and that but that's what's wrapped up in the high price that's why it's so expensive yeah for sure and there's there's lots of stuff that happens i guess i was gonna say behind the scenes but i don't mean that the i think a lot of people think of oh yeah there's a logo on the shirt everyone's gonna see it but then there's also all kinds of stuff around that like if you're a b2b company and you're looking to kind of sell to a new client you know and these these could be million billion dollar deals then actually having someone to come along to Old Trafford, taking a game, meets Sir Alex Ferguson, the, the type of stuff that could get a deal over the line or even actually open a conversation that you might not have in the first place. And then that's an, in addition to the stuff that you can you can do for your own team, internal comms, and also like having that that global reach. And, you know, Man United is one of those things. I was going to say one of the few, but the Premier League does this. It's, it's, it's a sports property that genuinely reaches all four corners of the earth. So if you're a company looking to reach everyone you know the Premier League is about as good as it, it gets when it comes to a marketing platform 
The other part to that, which is a bit of a build on that, is to do with status and the company we keep. And the, you know, there are lots of power messages within by appearing on a Man United football shirt that you are sending regardless of anything else. You're actually sending, look, we're a company that can afford this spot. We are, mm. you know, and, and it adds tangibility to quite often to digital brands. And that's true in this case. But also, you know, you often get it, the argument with online betting brands, of which, you know, there are many in the Premier League. They exist. Look, you're not going to get ripped off because look at us, we exist on the shirt. Now, you know, obviously we there's loads of case studies of where companies might not exist. But in this case, Man United is a really safe bet from that perspective. And there aren't many in the in the sports industries. Rory Sutherland talks about this very well. That's what advertising, television advertising has always done. We watch television, it builds mental availability. We may or may not be in the marketplace for the product at any one time. But what it does do is, is put that product into a consideration set for the moment that you might be in a buying position. And that, again, if you can get into that sort of elite group of category-specific companies, then that's enormously valuable because you can then build market share, et cetera, et cetera. So I think there's a lot going on beneath the look at us, we're on the shirt, that possibly goes is, is a bit sort of underplayed in some of the analysis. Definitely. I think TeamView is a really good example of that because during COVID, in a world where it was almost like Teams versus Zoom, because they're the ones that everyone knew going into the into the pandemic. And all of a sudden, like a team viewer coming out of nowhere and people reading about them or knowing their name, it almost threw and added another tech company that can help you connect with people into the mix. The, the odd bit is that they've come off early. Hmm. Why do we think that's happened? My reading of it is it's a sad indictment of a craft that we both work in, but... If you're a company that's going through tough times, often the first budget to get cut is the marketing budget. And in a world where you've made huge press announcements and there's lots of all the mainstream media running numbers like £60 million a year, it's actually quite an easy thing to do to not only kind of save money, but also to frankly save a bit of face if if the company's going through difficulties. So so my reading is that's why it would have happened. It's I think it's telling the fact that TeamViewer is still is staying with Manchester United because it means that they can have some of the, almost some of the logic of why they came into like a sponsorship in the first place and retain that, but without having to pay the amount of money that is required to, to have that premium position. Well, what, what do you think? Well, uh, yeah, no, I agree. I think it came from, there was an internal group or an investment group. I'm not sure they're an activist investor, but there was certainly a, either a pension fund, someone on the cap table at, on TeamViewer who wanted out and was starting to make demands about, you know, it is too expensive, it's too extravagant. Now, I think that's, it's interesting, it's not particularly unusual that, because what sponsorship does and the way it's reported is that it does collect everything together and you get to a massive number. So we're talking, you know, about 60 million quid a year. You don't often hear an activist shareholder saying, look, this global advertising campaign was too expensive because right. it's it's a harder target to hit. Sponsorship is an easy target when it comes to that because it's, look, it's over there, it's on the shirt, that shirt costs 60 million quid a year, it's too much, get rid of it. 
Whereas other marketing collateral can be equally expensive and, and far more expensive. You know, if you're going to reach the same number of eyeballs using television advertising, it's really hard. We, every year we, we're approaching the Super Bowl ad price story sort of period, which runs into Christmas and out the other side, where the marketing press talk about, you know, a 30 second ad in the middle of the Super Bowl. It's enormous shock horror. And the working out of value is the job of the marketing team. One of the things I was wondering, actually, and one of the questions was sometimes a property can be too big for a sponsor. And you find sometimes with the Olympics that this is true. They can't believe or they get into a sponsorship and then they realise, one, it creates enormous amounts of work. They've generated enormous amounts of awareness and interest and they're, you know, they can't quite handle that. And the other one is just the, as you say, the 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 relationship with the sponsorship to a something like a stock price slump, it could be related, it might be something completely different, but it's easy to, to make those jumps. And there is a sort of attribution error within that, that they jump from, look, the share price has gone down and it's because of the Man United shirt deal, which again is a sort of story. The other bit about the United thing was the Chevrolet story, which again, Chevrolet came on the shirt, what, 2014-ish? Yeah, it was around then, I think. And the bloke got the boot pretty quickly afterwards when, for not revealing the true extent of the price to the rest of the board. I think that was the story. That was mm. it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And then he later came out and said, well, actually, you know, we did all the independent data analysis showed that for all the money that Chevy would put into this deal, they would make it four times out the other end, whether that's in, you know, car sales or more kind of supplier partnerships. Last point. One thing I think we should talk about is where this place is united. So in the in the intro, we were referencing this is a bellwether. And there is a game that is played both within football and within sports marketing, but also, you know, amongst the fans, is what this says about the status of the club, who is the most valuable team commercially. You've got that whole sort of Deloitte money list culture that has developed and that comes out each year and people get excited about it. Some people get more excited about the Deloitte money list than they do the actual Premier League. <laughs> but there's a, there's, a, there's, so there's a sort of strange thing going on there and it's all about revenue in. And obviously the commercial teams are under enormous pressure at every Premier League team to bring the money in and the shirt is one of the, you know, the big money spinners that they've got to sell. And this place is United... Again, the question that always comes through is it, it goes to or it puts them in the bracket of or it's above Real Madrid and Barcelona or it's below Real Madrid and Barcelona. It's that sort of game that is being played in the analysis. So it is significant from that point of view. And then every other club starts to frame success and failure in terms of where they are in the food chain. So if you're a mid table if you're a top six or if you are a sort of lower premier league team or you're a european club you start to say well if united got that then what should we get and there were ripple effects throughout the throughout the leagues yeah and i've seen this happen as you know working a marketing agency where the sales team often you know they how do they come up with value often it's hearing from the client you know how much how much do they think it's worth which again is a that's a how long a piece of string argument. And to your point, often it's who's a rights property that you see that you're in, you know, you rub shoulders with. Let's let's go and either get what they get or get a bit more than them. So I think that's I think that's 100% right. 
But again, and you say this quite a lot, Rich, you know, the numbers are always wrong, <laughs> which is another added element to this. So uh, how many people, and uh, yeah, uh, we, we will ask this to, to Stuart, how many, how many people know how much a sponsorship deal is actually worth? I'd, I'd, be, I'd love to know the answer to that. It's the secret sauce. It's the secret. Surely we'll find the, find the answer. Stuart Wehrman is someone with an extensive knowledge of sports sponsorship and is currently Senior Vice President of Experiences, Events and Sponsorship for Accor, the French multinational hotel group. Accor was a sponsor of Paris Saint-Germain, PSG, for a few years. And we talked to Stuart about what the impact of that was on the company. What happens when you go on a big shirt? So when a brand suddenly appears, start of the season, what do you notice? And because one of the questions around the team viewer thing that they've come off after a year, the question is whether or not the property is too big for the sponsor sometimes. What do you think? Just give us a sense of, first of all, let's talk about PSG and Accor. What happened? So we went into PSG sponsorship with our eyes open, actually. So we were using it as a launch platform globally for our new loyalty and hotel booking platform brand, Accor Live Limitless. So that's all and all.com. And so we were looking for a major property that could take that brand and make it famous kind of fairly overnight. And the team, this is obviously before my time, but the team went through multiple different options and opportunities and landed on PSG. The shirt was available and clearly resonates massively globally with the player base. We know it's uh, appeals in key markets, whether it's Brazil, China, and then obviously when Messi joined, it just went went a bit nuts. And and so therefore it could instantly make us famous. It's it is a just a big brand platform to be able to to get that brand awareness that that we needed as a consumer lifestyle brand, uh, and also the direction that PSU were going in was in that lifestyle space. So they actually did a fashion show with our branded kit on in China. The fact that Nike came on board with Air Jordan, the only football brand that they chose to use their Air Jordan brand with, showed that the PSG was was in that kind of shifting into the lifestyle space, Paris being the most visited city in the world. That's our hometown. It, it, all the stars kind of aligned to make it to make it a powerful platform. Uh, and I, I was I was actually at a at a competitor at the time when it launched, and this is when I was kind of looking at it from a, a competitor lens and thinking, oh my God, this is going to be big. This is going to be a threat to us. There was just no other marketing activities going on during during COVID. So what we could do is isolate the the shirt of the PSG and say, well, actually, when we did our brand research 18 months in. It had actually driven, attributed two thirds of the global brand awareness was attributed to the shirt of PSG of that new brand. So really powerful, but we just hadn't really communicated what it meant. So that's the real trick. And it's, it's, it's all about how you activate in order to get it, make the, 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 the true value. And we are still the only brand to have come off the PSG shirt and continue to sponsor them. So we have moved and shifted our, 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 active, you know, our, our focus into much more activation space to be able to tell that story around what we do and who we are and frankly why customers and guests and, and members and owners should care. How many shirts do you think have that power that really change things? Uh, it, it's a handful, right? Uh, and it depends on your target audience and your target markets. If you're talking about Asia, there's only a, there's only a handful. If you're talking a little bit more locally, then obviously that expands and it's about finding your level. But then it's reflected in the price as well. 
And, and, and Stuart, so I'm thinking here through a Snapdragon lens. Obviously, to a brand, there's a plethora of marketing opportunities. What does what does the front of shirt give you that I guess an equivalent spend on TV advertising or any number of the other marketing platforms that that would that would have been on offer? It's, it's the emotional connection, right? It, it really is that defining bond. I mean, you you have millions of people fanatically wearing your brand all around the world. You go, and I've worked with Manchester United, and it's phenomenal, particularly across in Asia. Everywhere you go, you can go to, to a tiny village in Africa and you'll see somebody wearing a Man United shirt. It is, it is incredibly powerful as a, an emotional connector. And you're part of history. You're part of this iconic uh, set of, um, of moments in time. So if Manchester United were to win the Champions League, that shirt will be an iconic shirt. It's no question. Yeah, we were talking about, I'm a Spurs fan, he's a Villa fan. And, you know, you can go back and name most of them. It's a test of fandom, actually, if you sort of... I think it is. If you ask them. That B2B question, which I don't understand, why a B2B brand would go on a global consumer platform like a shirt? I think it varies. I think, number one, it depends on their their market because they want, maybe when they want to penetrate new markets and therefore need the credibility of saying, look, we're, we're here, we're not going away anywhere. I've known insurance brands who have been B2B, so reinsurers effectively, and they've done fairly big naming rights deals with sports bodies purely because the end policy was going to end up on somebody's insurance policy. And they wanted to, to know, that, to reassure that customer, the end customer, that, yeah, you know what, you might have, you've, you've probably heard of us, right? So there's a reassurance there. So it does depend on how that plays through but there is a huge number of b2b opportunities of engagement hosting at old trafford hosting during summer tours hosting at various different events those high value customers b2b customers prospect prospects you know if you are to make it depends which business you're in but if you are to make 10 new customers at multi-million dollar level revenue opportunities and profit revenue opportunities, it pays for itself. It can pay for itself. The question is why you want that massive consumer facing piece. And is there a, a cheaper way of achieving the same goal? And I, you know, I'm, without knowing Qualcomm's kind of, and, and Snapdragon's objectives, it's quite difficult to second guess. So uh, there's a question I'm wondering about TeamViewer actually, is whether the job has been done for them. Whether a year or two, I can't remember how many, they'll have been on it two years. That's enough. And they've said, right, okay, we'll cut our losses. We'll go back into the pack of United partners. And the job of going from absolutely no one knowing who they are to being a, you know, on a famous shirt and awareness would have shot up. Maybe that, that was enough? Well, also they were doing a, a partnership with Mercedes F1 team as well, and which I think still continues. And obviously a much lower lower spend than, than the Manchester United shirt. I think I think to a point you, you're probably right. I, sometimes, who knows, there could be leadership changes, decision-maker changes that, that kind of force sort of a desire to exit. You know, the, the thing about a front-of-shirt sponsorship is it's, it's a major commitment. It's a, a commitment that you need to fully resource because there are so many assets and you need to manage those. You need to work with those. You need to distribute those. You need to allocate them. You need to manage it. It, it requires a, a proper servicing team to be able to just cope with the, the magnitude of what you've got. 
That was, I was, you could lead, him, lead me into my question, Stuart. So there's so Snapdragon are already a Man United sponsor. They go to the front of shirt in, well, I guess the start of next season. So say for argument's sake, nine months. What, what, what's happening now in the, in the lead up to that? Well, it's a good, good job, actually. They're going into the eyes open, right? They know the club. They'll have their partnership uh, managers sort of in place. They will have already known a lot about how the club operates because Manchester United is, you know, is a fairly unique club in the way it's set up for partner servicing. It's a, pretty much a marketing agency internally that they've built and in very professional in its, in its, in its arrangements. So it, it's not like they're going in with their eyes closed, number one. I think number two, they're going to need to build their team, right? And to be able to understand how they're going to use all those assets because they will be, you know, presumably significantly higher number of hospitality places, ticketing and other rights and benefits that they may have negotiated as part of that major major deal so this is heavy heavy planning stages i would imagine in terms of getting ready for next season and budgeting right i mean <laughs> it's 2024 budgets will be will be looming uh, i hear this quite a lot around the olympics you know so when you say right you've you've, you've always buy a right the right to spend more money is the cliche isn't it what is what does that look like so they spent it they're going to spend 60 million quid on a on the shirt what are the implications on them of what else they're going to have to spend. But it sounds like they have to build a team. This is going to be additional cost on top of the rights fee. It, it will be. However, for a consumer brand, it's much more expensive to activate because you are doing, you know, it's proper kind of above the line communications, content, etc. B2B, you're, you're much more targeted. It's probably a, a significantly lower cost to achieve the kind of impact you want. It's a little bit more targeted and a little bit more uh, one-to-one targeting and, and galvanizing the sales force it's all about internal engagement and and, and uh, in making sure that all the internal teams that need to be switched on and engaged with this actually understand it support it and and crucially get involved now they'd have done part of that because of their lower tier sponsorship previously so it's it's they're not starting from scratch which will help them and the final point is we made a point earlier which is about the the united shirt specifically being a sort of bellwether event in the marketplace and and other clubs using it as a benchmark. Do you think that's still true? Because the news of United, that's why we're doing this, United shirt, it hits the news. It is important in that sense. It has a broader impact on the rest of the sponsorship market. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think so. Also, they're listed on the stock exchange as well, right? So it's an important thing. And when you look at the context of, you know, the owner's, looking to see if they're going to sell or not. This is an important milestone for them. They need to be seen to be continuing because the strength of the brand is is, is everything from the commercial sense. And they've done a phenomenal job of growing that. And, and other clubs will look at that and say, well, actually, okay, well, are we behind? Are we ahead? How do, how do we match up to that? So it is, yeah, I think it is a yardstick. Sports News Upload is an unofficial partner production created and produced by Richard Gillis, Matt Cutler and Sean Singleton. Thanks for listening.